Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Belt Atheist podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the first episode. My name is Isaac. That's the name I was given by my mother. And I think that's pretty funny. You're not going to find a more biblical name than Isaac. She had a very good reason, actually, for naming me that. Uh, She named me after both of her uh, grandfathers. So as I get older, I have a lot more respect and reverence for the name. And plus, I've gotten to where I really love unique names. So um, not having the normal everyday name is now very cool to me. Um, When I was a child, I hated it because it was different. And, you know, when I was a kid, you got picked on for being different. Now it seems to be cool to be different. And I dig that. I like that change in society. I think that's awesome. But anyway, my name is Isaac. That was my given name. And I've grown to love it in spite of its biblical overtone. But thank you. Anyway, um, this episode, I wanted to talk about probably my greatest passion throughout my entire life. And that passion is my love of music. Um, I grew to love music at a very early age, uh, such an early age that I really don't even remember uh, the first time I heard music. I don't remember the first time I fell in love with music. I just know that I always have loved music. And it's changed for me over the years, uh, the way I listen to music, my attitudes towards it, um, my belief in the power of music has changed a little bit. Um, my love of music is deep and there aren't enough words for me to express it to you. And also there aren't enough hours in the day for me to tell you all of the positive impacts that music has had on my life. Sorry, I just bumped my table, but yeah, the positive impacts that music has had on my life is, is immeasurable. Uh, It's a good part of why I am who I am today. Uh, it's, it's really, it's created my personality. It's created my belief system. It's created my love and dislike of certain things. And I'll get into that as we go through the podcast. But, um, there was someone once said, and I wish I could give credit to this quote because I believe it to be 110% true that the music that you first fall in love with as a child will always be your favorite music for your entire lifetime. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, The first music that I fell in love with as a child was rock and roll. And it was introduced to me by my mother, who was a huge rock and roll fan. She was a huge Beatles fan. But she turned me on to it at a very young age. Uh, Some of my earliest memories of life are her dancing around the house while she was cleaning the house, listening to the doors and listening to um, the animals and the Beatles and all of these groups that she loved. And she passed that love on to me. And I was very fortunate. I didn't realize how lucky I was as a child. Um, I know I took it for granted because I assumed because I had this privilege that Every other kid must too, but I've learned over the years that I, I wasn't like everybody else in the sense that my mother never told me 
what I could or couldn't listen to. Uh, she always let me decide for myself what music I liked and what I wanted to listen to it, what I wanted to listen to, I'm sorry, and where I wanted to listen to it. I picked out the music that I loved, that meant something to me. And if we were riding in the car, she let me listen to it. If we were at home, I put my stereo on 10 in my bedroom and listened to it. She never told me to turn it down, not once ever. If I went out in the yard and took my boombox out to listen to music while I was playing basketball or playing, you know, baseball or whatever, she always was supportive of that. I cannot tell you how many thousands of dollars that woman has spent on buying me music, but also buying me batteries for my boombox and my Walkman and everything else that I ever had. Um, I grew up pretty poor. We didn't have a lot, but my mother always made sure that I had access. Um, I always had access to music. I always had a way to play music. I always had the music that interested me. She always made sure that that was available. And I will always be thankful and grateful to her for that. Uh, we've enjoyed uh, many concerts together over the years. We've enjoyed many just riding around for hours, listening to the new album that I got, or the new cassette actually in the car. And um, she supported that. I remember her buying me um, a lot of blank tapes when I was a kid because I had a stereo that I could take an album and record to tape and it sounded just as good because back then albums were cheaper. So I would get albums and then I would make a copy of it on a cassette so I could listen to it mobile. I could listen to it on my Walkman. I could listen to it in the car. I mean, I was very, very fortunate. And I always just assumed that Everybody loved the same music that I did. And I just assumed that everyone had the same freedom to pick and choose the music that they wanted to listen to, just like I did. And um, I just really always took it for granted. And I always felt like it was my right. Like listening to whatever music that I wanted to listen to was my right to do it. And no one should ever be able to deny anyone else of listening to whatever they want to listen to. So it's a First Amendment thing for me quite a bit. Well, anybody who knows the history of rock and roll and knows the history of music knows that it's always butted heads with religion. There's always been some conflict. Going back to the 50s, uh, going back to Little Richard and going back to Jerry Lee Lewis, and their wild antics of shaking their head around while they played their piano and um, kids losing their minds dancing at Chuck Berry concerts and stuff. Um, yeah, the uh, religious people didn't like that very much. They thought that rock and roll and the beat of rock and roll were causing what would normally be good God-fearing children to act in a, a different way to act in a more uh, sinful way. You know, they're dancing close to each other. You know, boys and girls dancing together at concerts and dancing together, listening to music. They thought that, uh, they thought that that was sinful. 
and they blamed it on the rock and roll. They said that the, the beat is making these kids do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. So it goes back to that. And then when the Beatles came along in the 60s, that's when the Bible Belt really, uh, I think, sort of became what it is today. You know, there was a whole region of the country that the word spelled, it, it spread like wildfire that these Beatles songs were causing kids to act demonic and, and back talk their parents and dance too close and kiss each other behind the bleachers at the football game. The rock and roll was causing all of this sin and, and ill behavior. And you can go, you can go back into even recent years where, you know, people wanted to, to blame Marilyn Manson for the Columbine shooting. And, you know, it's always been an easy scapegoat, especially for the religious right, because they look at it as being weird or crazy. So that's obviously the reason why people would do something irrational because they were inspired by weird and crazy. So at an early age, being turned on to music, it was always available in my house. And I, and I used to find new and creative ways to listen to music. And I loved sports growing up. I loved football and I loved baseball. And, you know, I can, I can remember going outside and playing and having a boombox sitting on the front step. And it would be playing whatever I was listening to that day loud. And I didn't care what anybody thought. As long as my mom was cool with it, I didn't give a shit what the neighbors thought. And uh, one of my all-time favorite things to do, and I still love doing this. I still love doing this. Um, watching a sporting event on TV while listening to music on headphones. There's just something about it that I just love. I don't need to hear the commentary of the football game. I know the rules of the game. I know how to watch it. I don't need someone explaining it to me. So this is an opportunity for me to watch a sport that I love and listen to music that I love. So it's a perfect combination for me. I, I still to this day love it. And I love how technology has made it even easier now. You know, um, headphones, the, it started with the Walkman. I remember the first time I got a Walkman. I was just, it meant the world to me. And now I'm... I'm an Apple fiend. I love my AirPods. And, and so it's just, for me, um, technology has just made my love of music even more intense. You know, when YouTube first came along, um, it allowed me to go back and watch concerts by all my favorite bands that I loved as a kid. Uh, I got to go to a lot of concerts when I was a kid, but some of them, I didn't get to see some of my favorite bands. I didn't get to see. And when I realized you could go on YouTube and type in the name of any band and get any concert from any tour they ever did. Oh man. I went down that rabbit hole for years. I mean, years, I would say from probably 2009 until 2015, 2016, I spent more time watching concerts on YouTube than I did watching or listening to anything else for me. Uh, my first few personal computers were nothing more than just a jukebox to me. That's what I used my first computer for was to listen to music. My phone, 
is just a portable jukebox. It's replaced the Walkman. It's just another way for another tool for me to do what I love. And um, music caused all that. Music caused all that passion. If I didn't love music the way I do, I don't even know if I would have an iPhone. I don't. I, I, I definitely wouldn't have AirPods. To me, there's no reason to have AirPods except to listen to music. I mean, sure, I guess you can have a phone conversation with them. That's cool. Whatever. But that's that's the impact of music on me. It affects all facets of my life. I remember as a kid, you know, you have clicks in school. And uh, I was an athlete. I was, uh, I was a pretty good athlete. I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed playing sports. But I was never a part of the jock crowd. I wasn't. I was... I was kind of a chameleon. I kind of bounced around. I could get along with anybody my age at my school. But the kids that I really became close friends with and became my clique were the music kids, the kids that uh, listened to the same music that I did. And um, if I saw a kid in my school or at any event anywhere that was wearing a T-shirt from a band that I loved, they were instantly my friend, whether they wanted to be or not. It didn't matter where they were from. It didn't matter their socioeconomic background. It didn't matter who their parents were. It didn't matter where they lived. If they liked the same bands that I liked, they were my friend. And I didn't give a shit about anything else. So a lot of those kids that I grew up with and created friendships with because of music, I still consider to be friends to this day. And I still, to this day, will talk to a total stranger about music if this conversation arises. Um, I stood in line picking up Chinese food a few months ago and started talking to someone about Robert Johnson, the blues guitarist. Just random. I don't even know how the conversation started, but we got a good 10 minutes of Robert Johnson conversation. I still, I, I can do that. I love it. I would much rather talk about music than politics. Unfortunately, I've allowed myself to go down the political rabbit hole over the last few years, like everybody else. But I really need to make a concerted effort to tune it all out, put my headphones on and just listen to music. But yeah, I made a lot of friends as a kid. All of my close childhood friends were a result of the music that we shared. So um, music changed for me a little bit in time. When I first started listening to music, I would put headphones on or I'd be in the car. I could totally tune out. And my mother knows that if I'm listening to music, I can, I can block out everything else. It doesn't matter where I'm at or what I'm doing. I can block it all out if I'm listening to music. And so I would listen to music as a kid. And I would fantasize that the band that I'm listening to, it was a very visual thing for me, that I could picture them in front of me playing that song live in a concert setting. And I love that. I just absolutely loved it. When I listened to Kiss as a kid, I just, I could listen to their live album and I could just, I could see the entire show from beginning to end. I could just visualize it. It was my own imagination and I loved it. I loved that music opened up my imagination that way. That was probably the most important part for me at the time. And to this day, um, my favorite albums by my favorite artists are always their live albums. Yeah, I like them when they're not in, they're 
imperfect. They're not in tune. The vocals are pitchy. Uh, the guitar's out of tune. I, I love live albums because it allows me, it makes it easier for me to fantasize about the visual of seeing that artist play that concert. It takes me there. And as I got older, I started playing music. I started playing drums at a young age and fell in love with that. I played a little guitar too. So I went kind of, I tried a little bit of everything as a kid. And another thing that was another great thing that my mother did when I showed interest in playing guitar, she bought me a guitar. I mean, it wasn't expensive. It was actually pretty cheap. Looking back on it now, learning what I've learned about guitars, it was a piece of shit, but it was a guitar and it fed my love. And then eventually I started playing drums. Drums came a lot easier to me, a lot more natural. And I still to this day love to play drums. So my visual fantasies would change. And my favorite bands that I loved, when I listened to them, then I'm imagining me playing that music, me playing the drums for that band, me being on that stage. So it just, it fed into my imagination and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So as a kid, listening to what I listened to because of my mother and also because of uh, my cousins that were around me, a few of them were older and they turned me on to other music that kind of kept me going down that rock and roll path. You know, my cousin David was several years older than me, turned me on to Kiss and Queen. Those two bands are still very important in my in my life and my story. And then I had female cousins that would turn me on to, you know, Midnight Star and and R&B bands from the 70s. And I just kept going with it, kept going with it. And then I got into my teens. And for me, it all became, it was all about rap music and heavy metal. And I was always kind of, I guess, because I always was told that my mother believed I could do whatever I wanted, listen to whatever I wanted. Nobody else's opinion really mattered. And then I found out that I had aunts and uncles that would pull my mother aside and at family gatherings and express concern, you know, about the music that I was listening to and I was growing my hair long and I was hanging out with the kids in town that had a bad reputation because they had grown their hair long and, you know, that stuff. So my grandfather and I were very close. This is my mother's father that I'm talking about. He and I were very close and so close as I have his name tattooed on my arm. He passed away in 2008 and um, he was the smartest, kindest, most compassionate, wisest human being that I've ever known. And he was a wild man when I was a child. He and my grandmother actually divorced before I was born. And he moved to Virginia in the late 70s, which is how I ended up in Virginia eventually, years later. Still in the Bible Belt. I've never left the Bible Belt. But anyway, he moved to Virginia, starts working, does a lot of bar hopping. Um, does a lot of drinking, 
These are his stories, not mine. And he eventually meets the woman that would become my step-grandmother. They meet in a bar, they meet drinking, and they quickly become drinking buddies. They quickly become that couple that everybody invites to every function because they know they're going to have a good time with them around. And the bars loved him because my grandfather didn't matter if he had to work 12 hours the next day. He was going to be in a bar the night before. It's just the way it was. I, I had to get it from somewhere, right? So eventually, my grandfather buys a house in Virginia, settles in. That became the house that I'm actually sitting in now talking to you from. And uh, he and what becomes my step-grandmother move in together. They're living together. They're shacking up, right? They, um, they're living in sand. Now, this is 1978, I guess. And my grandfather didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. And neither did she. They didn't care. They loved their life. They loved their lifestyle. They loved their wild partying ways. And um, they were good at it. <laughs> I've heard many stories. They were very successful partiers. So... Um, a few years passed by. I think it was four years, as a matter of fact. 1982. My memory is way better that far back than it is about anything I did two weeks ago. Anyway, so in 1982, they called my mother in Georgia with me to tell my mother that they had gotten married. And for various reasons, my mother was not happy. And I don't think necessarily that she wasn't happy that they got married. I think that she just wasn't happy that her dad was marrying another woman. Her mother never remarried. So she had that. But I remember my mother asking my grandfather and my new grandmother, why did you get married? You've been living together for four or five years, probably five years at that point, because they lived together before he bought this house. And um, the answer was, well, we've joined a church. We've been going to church. And we thought that in order to continue living together, we needed to be married because that is what the church tells us we should do. And that bothered my mother terribly. Um, not that she was anti-religion, not that she was anti-anything. But if you go back to my first episode where I tell the story of my sister's funeral, this is still a new wound at the time. This is within less than two years of the passing of my sister and her loss of confidence and faith in religion. So now her father is calling her to tell her that she's got he's gotten remarried because he thinks that's what God wants him to do. So thus begins my dislike and disdain for all things religious, Christian, biblical, and any other word you want to throw out there for it. So in 1982, I'm 10 years old, and my grandparents change. They turn into the exact opposite 
of what I had ever known them to be. So my grandfather, who became very spiritual and remained very spiritual and remained deeply involved in his church until he passed away, but he never became judgmental. He always treated me the same way he had treated me before. Uh, he had completely stopped drinking, and so had she. Um, he went to church, I believe, more because he knew it made her happy. It was a change that was really driven by her. And uh, their relationship was really special. Um, I don't know that I've ever met any two people that loved each other more. Uh, he totally turned over all of his finances to her. He turned over the control of the house to her and he was happy to do it. And he felt way better about knowing that she ran shit and she was good at running shit. Okay. She passed away in 2004. My grandfather didn't know where his checkbook was when she passed away, but after digging and looking around and going to a couple banks, he figured out that she had left him set very well financially in way better shape than he ever anticipated. And that was, I think, part of his reasoning for turning it all over to her when they got married, because he knew she could handle it. Uh, my grandfather used to tell me that if he was able to control his own money, he would never have anything because he would spend it all. So that was kind of how the house was run. She was in charge. Um, he was there. He was the best grandfather you could ever have. He was there for entertainment value. He was the guy that always wanted to do fun things. He always wanted to go swimming. He always wanted to go to sporting events. He always wanted to play tennis. He always wanted to go hiking in the mountains. He always wanted to go outside and just do fun shit. And I loved it as a kid. That was awesome to have a grandfather that was that way. And um, part of their new life, they'd stopped drinking. They'd stop, stopped going out to bars. They focused all of their concentration on two things. Um, and I'm going to put them in order for you. Number one was me and my two cousins. I had two cousins that were her grandchildren. So they were cousins by, uh, by marriage, but I knew them my whole lives. I don't remember not knowing them. And one cousin that was a year older than me and one that was a year younger than me. And um, they lived in Florida. I lived in Georgia. My grandparents were in Virginia. So they made a concerted effort in 1982 to have us around more and for them to be around us more. Uh, we saw them pretty much every month. Either we came up here or they went down to see us or whatever. And we got into a habit for about four, four years, I guess, where me and my two cousins would get picked up by our grandmother, them in Florida, me in Georgia. We lived about an hour from each other. And she would bring us to Virginia for about a month and a half. So as soon as my baseball season ended, she'd come get us. And we had so much fun over those summers. Um, some of my fondest memories of my life were spending summers with my grandparents. Um, we went swimming every day. We were members of our community swimming pool. The neighborhood had a subdivision, had a swimming pool, which I could walk through my backyard down to it. We were also members of another place that was a lake that you could fish and swim and do all kind of cool stuff. And, and one weekend out of um, 
out of every summer, we would go to Myrtle Beach. Actually, it was a week, I think. It was usually the week that my grandfather had off his week vacation during the summer. We would go and we would spend it in Myrtle Beach. And it was so much fun. And it, my birthday and both of my cousin's birthdays were all summer birthdays. We all had a birthday within, I think, 40 days of each other. So we all got to spend our birthdays here and celebrate. And uh, we never ate out. I think my grandmother, she would get us pizza uh, once during the, during the summer. Other than that, they did all the cooking. And the rule was, if the sun is out, so are you. They made it very clear that they did not want me listening to the music that I liked in their house, that it wasn't allowed, it wasn't accepted. And they also made it very clear that if I came to stay, that I had to go to church every week. I had to go to Sunday school every Sunday. And those were things that I knew going into it that was going to be part of the game. And my mother had told me a couple of years before that I never had to go to church again if I didn't want to. Well, it was a trade-off. I had to spend a summer not sitting around listening to music, and I had to go to church. And me and my cousin, Teresa, we would sometimes figure out a way to sneak in some music, you know. Uh, my grandparents had cable TV. They were the first people I ever knew to have cable TV. And uh, they basically had it to watch baseball so they could watch Cubs and Braves games. And my grandmother, <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this. My grandmother spent every night after the sun went down watching the Nashville Network. Do you remember that? The Nashville Network? And she was convinced that everybody that appeared on the Nashville Network were Christians because she believed that country music was Christian music. Eh, okay. But we were told we weren't allowed to watch MTV, that we would be punished in some way for if we were caught watching MTV. So, of course, when you tell a child that loves rock and roll that he's not allowed to listen or watch rock and roll, what do you think I did? Every chance I got to sneak into a room with a TV, even if it was just for two or three minutes. And my cousin Teresa was the same way. We did it, you know. One day a week, we had to all participate in cleaning house, where Teresa always volunteered in cleaning the basement because that's where the TV was, and she could put it on MTV, and nobody knew it was on. That girl was pretty smart. So um, it was a trade-off. I traded my love of music and my dislike of church to spend summers with my grandparents. And it was always a fair trade. It was always a fair trade. And I had no problem with it. So fast forward to 1986, the summer of 1986. I go to my grandparents and I was pretty unaware of things that were going on in regards to people trying to ban rock and roll, censor rock and roll. There was this group called the PMRC, the Parents Music Resource Center, started up by another group called the Washington Wives, um, led by Tipper Gore, who was the wife of Senator Al Gore from the state of Tennessee, who later uh, became Bill Clinton's vice president. And she started this group, and they had Senate hearings where they were appalled 
by what they were seeing in rock and roll and pop music. And they come up with some list. I think it was called the Dirty 15 of songs that they thought should be should be banned, should be censored. And they had these Senate hearings and they had some rock stars appear and they had some concerned people appear and they had this idea that they should put warning labels on albums of music that they found distasteful, that they found offensive. Well, this has a piece of religion in it. They were God-fearing people and they felt like they were saving the children by labeling these evil, explicit pieces of music and telling parents, if you see this sticker, you need to be scared, you need to be concerned. But they thought they were doing it for good. They thought they were doing it for God, right? And that's how it works, right? As long as you believe that God is on your side, that gives you the right to judge what is best for everyone else. And that's how I felt about religion. Because you started seeing other people jump on that bandwagon. You started seeing TV shows dedicated to devil music. What are your kids listening to? Are they listening to King Diamond? Are they listening to Ozzy Osbourne? We're here to tell you it's evil and it's bad for your children. So you need to be aware. Who gets to decide what's evil and bad for children? Well, the Christian right has took it upon themselves to they think, because they believe in their God, that they have the right to choose what you should or should not consume. And so this PMRC gets what they want. They get to put parental discretion advised stickers on albums that they deemed to be offensive. They got to decide what was offensive. My mother didn't get to decide what was offensive and what I should listen to. They did. And there was a time where you had to be a certain age to buy those records that had those stickers. Well, it probably worked. It probably, um, it probably kept Christian parents from letting their children listen to that music, which they probably weren't let, letting them listen to it anyway. But it became a badge of honor for me. I went through a phase where I would not buy a piece of music unless it had that sticker on it. And my mother was happy to buy those records for me. And um, my friends did the same thing. These same friends from that music click that I told you about. Because the last thing you wanted to do was be called a pussy for buying a record that didn't have a parental advisory sticker on it. So thank you to the PMRC. You increased album sales tremendously for a lot of bands that I loved. And not only that, you increased album sales for, for a few albums that really fucking sucked. And they only sold because they had those stickers on them. So thank you. You, you did a fine job. But it goes back to what I said. People that think they have God on their side think that that gives them the right to choose what you can or cannot consume. And 
I think that's wrong, but it happens and it happens a lot. And so, um, summer of 1986, excuse me, I'm gonna take a sip of my wonderful iced tea because you know, iced tea, I'm in the south, yo. So, summer of 86, I'm staying with my grandparents and my grandmother had bought a VCR. First VCR I ever saw actually in a house was my grandparents. And um, she bought a VCR with the exclusive thought of watching uh, these videos put out by Mr. Jerry Falwell. Um, they were sermons and he had started, um, he'd started a couple of groups and they sold videos and they sold whatever it is that they sold. And, um, we lived close to Thomas Road Baptist Church, which is where Jerry Falwell was the, the pastor. And therefore we lived close to Liberty University, which was the school that he founded. Now, Liberty University had some very tight rules. You weren't allowed to listen to um, secular music. Um, girls were not allowed to wear jeans. Um, if you were a student there, you would be fired if you were caught working somewhere that uh, sold alcohol or served alcohol. It was a very tight run ship and Jerry Falwell ran it that way because he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was a man of God and that, that's how God want, wants us all to live. And so... My grandmother one day takes me into the house and she says, I want to show you something. And I said, okay, what you got? So she pulls out this VHS tape, she puts it in her VCR and Jerry Falwell comes up and he proceeds to do this really uh, intense sermon about the evils of heavy metal music and the evils of rock and roll. And this is all music that my grandmother knows that I love. I never hid my love for it. Now, I respected their wishes, didn't listen to it and put it in their face. Even when they came to visit me, I would turn my stereo off while they were visiting because I knew they didn't want to hear it. It was respect. So we watched this sermon on her VHS tape and he starts telling people that if your children listen to music, it's going to ruin their lives. If they listen to this devil music, if they listen to these artists, and he starts naming artists, and he names Ozzy Osbourne, and he starts reciting Ozzy Osbourne lyrics. And the more that this goes on, the more intense it gets. And he starts the sermon by with a tone of, oh, I'm just telling you parents what's out there. Then by the end of the sermon, it, it turns into, if you don't get your kids away from this, they're, they're going to ruin their lives and they're going to be doomed to burn in hell because God doesn't like this music. And as this thing's going on and I'm watching, and I think it lasted about 30, 45 minutes, I don't remember. My grandmother is crying. She is crying, right? 
and it and it ends and she tells me she says i just i, I just want your soul to be saved i want you to stop listening to this music and I want your soul to be saved. And she's crying because she loves me so much. She doesn't want me to perish and spend eternity in whatever hell she's got imagined in her mind. And I'm deeply moved by this. I'm very deeply moved by this. And we go on with the rest of our summer and I go back home. And the following summer comes along, 1987. It's the summer that I turned 15. And I had a handful of concerts that I was asked if I wanted to go to, and I did. And my grandmother and grandfather asked me if I wanted to come spend another summer, just like we had done the four summers before. And I said no, and I didn't go. I didn't go because I didn't want to have to have that awkward conversation again. I didn't want my grandmother to cry again because when she was going to ask me if I still listen to that music, I'm going to say, yeah, more than ever. I love it more than ever. And I didn't want to have to go through that again. So I never spent another summer at my grandparents' house. Now, eventually I moved to Virginia. I didn't live with them, but I did move to Virginia and I had... Um, quite a bit of contact with them, but I had my home and they had theirs and I could do what I wanted in my home and I respected them forever. I never brought my music into their house. Um, I never voiced my opinion. They told me their beliefs and I kept mine to myself. And, um, as a kid, uh, it kind of bothered me. I felt like this, this Christian belief against something that I love passionately was keeping me from spending time with my grandparents. And I love them. I can't tell you how much I love them. And we disagreed on religion. They were very religious and I was not. And I still love them. Yes, you can love someone who has different religious beliefs in you because I'm here to tell you, I loved my grandparents. And so I never came back and stayed that summer. My cousins did but I never did. So my grandmother passed away in 2004 and she passed away still believing the same beliefs that she always did. Um, she believed anything that anyone in her church ever told her. She believed it was a sin to wear makeup. Um, she believed it was a sin to have sex before marriage. She believed it was a sin to, to live with each other before marriage, even though she had done all those things. She passed in 2004, and I miss her. And then my grandfather uh, went to see him every day, every day, sometimes twice a day. Went to see him every day from 2004 until he died in 2008. I miss him. I miss him a lot. But I couldn't help but have bad feelings of what I felt kept me away from my grandparents for that last summer. So fast forward to, I guess it was 2016, and it's college football season. And I get free tickets to attend Liberty University football game. 
Liberty's not my favorite team. Uh, I don't have a lot in common with any of those beliefs or any of those people, but it was a chance to go to a college football game. So I went with my girlfriend and we took her son, who at the time I think was around nine or 10. And it was a good experience for him to go to a college football game, see it big time. And again, this is a school that I didn't agree with. And um, by this point, Jerry Falwell Sr. had passed. That man that had spoke that sermon that made my grandmother cry and that was part of the reason why I never went and spent another summer with my grandparents because I didn't want to have to go through that again. So we're sitting there and we're watching the game and it's going well and it's cold and it's a good crowd, pretty good turnout. And all of a sudden, the Liberty Marching Band starts playing. And they start playing the song Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. They're playing a song that my grandmother bawled like a baby when Jerry Falwell was reciting the lyrics and telling her how evil it was. And this is the man that started Liberty University. So now some you know, 30 years later, his marching band is playing that very song. The Liberty University marching band is playing an Ozzy Osbourne song in the middle of a college football game. A song that 30 years before a kid could have been kicked out of Liberty University for just listening to it. Okay. A lot of bad memories came back when I heard that band play that song. Bad memories of missing out on time with my grandparents. Bad memories of remembering my grandmother crying with all her heart because she just wanted my soul to be saved. And Jerry Falwell was telling her that this is how you save your children's soul you keep them from listening to Ozzy Osbourne. And then fast forward years later, his school's marching band is playing Ozzy Osbourne. That is why I don't like religion. That is why I don't like Christianity. Because when Jerry Falwell died, the game changed. Jerry Falwell Jr. then decided, let's open up the doors to everyone. Let's bring everyone in. Let's stop telling kids what they can and can't listen to. Let's stop punishing kids. Because if you open the gates to the school to everyone, they're going to bring their money with them, right? Let's stop being critical. Let's stop telling these kids not to do these things. Let's just tell them, come to school, bring your money. And um, that's the problem I have with it all. That's the problem I have with religion. That's the problem I have with the hypocrisy of all of it. Now, this episode was supposed to be about my love of music, and it is. It is about my love of music. 
But it's also about my love of my grandparents who got brainwashed, brainwashed into believing that somehow their children were going to be doomed because of the music they listened to. I will never live long enough to forgive or forget that bullshit. I will never get over it. I will never forgive the hypocrisy of these people. I will never, ever, ever think that there's an apology strong enough for what those motherfuckers cost me in time, in time spent with the people that I love. And I didn't care that they didn't like the music that I listened to. I didn't care that they thought it was evil. I didn't care that they thought I was doomed. I cared because I wanted to spend time with them. All right, that's the podcast. I'm done. So thank you for listening. If this is your first time, thank you for checking it out. If you've come back from a previous episode, thanks for coming back. I hope you enjoy it. I hope if you like it, you tell someone, um, spread the word, <laughs> spread the word. That's pretty funny, huh? But uh, yeah, if if you like it, please subscribe to it. Please check it out um, in future episodes and tell your friends. Tell your friends that, hey, there's a guy out there that maybe he's a lot like us. Maybe he, uh, he's been through similar experiences. Maybe you are a Bible Belt atheist. That's cool. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a Bible Belt Christian and you'd like to talk about it. That's fine, too. So you can email me at the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast at Gmail if you wanted to chat or just send me a note, send me a line. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.